0: You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 35 West Shelton Avenue. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.church. Thank you. I'm Aaron. I use he, him pronouns. And uh, this past year I read the Bible, uh, the whole thing, from start to end. Um, and I want to tell you my impressions. I actually asked Julie a couple weeks ago is there going to be like a New Year's meeting where we get to share reflections because I got one? And she said, I don't know. I think we're going to, we kind of work this out, right? So um, I, I was raised a Baptist, uh, American Baptist, the good Baptists. Um, at least that's how I feel about it, right? Um, because that word triggers for a lot of people, like really mean people. And that was not the congregation I came but one little bit of heritage is when I'm going to do a talk, it's going to have three parts, okay? That's a bapt. For those, yeah, there's like one or two people, oh, yeah. I've heard-. Um, so I'll tell you, the, the prompt that Julie has given us is, that we're all kind of working with, but I've, you know, written, um, uh, is, is how did God move in you this last year? What, how did you see God communicating with you this year? And for me, it's through this process. And so I want to tell you some of my impressions, and there's going to be three parts There's the context for me. What does it mean to be asked to read the Bible? A friend of mine asked me to do this. Would you read the Bible with me this year? Sure. Um, So there's the context. There's the ask. And then there's just the impressions that I gathered. That's what I'm going to do. So for me, um, context. uh, It's been a time of crazy work stress um, for folks. Um, Lots of reasons for that. Big picture, little picture. For me, my boss, who hired me at my firm, was let go Uh, A month into the pandemic Uh, he was a partner of the firm owned part owned I think the largest share of the firm at one point in during my tenure there and was asked to leave the firm only boss I'd had in 18 years Um, So a little bit of adjustment new person in charge Uh, lack of sleep limited resources Feeling at risk in my job. I am the connector between my firm and people who hire our firm um, to make sure that their process and projects and things get done with the right level of quality New supervision, new staff, a lot of upheaval, a lot of stress. Uh, This past year, my dad was confirmed to have prostate cancer for the third time. He's in his third round of treatments. Uh, My brother in law is now two years into a cancer that they said might be a year long um, experience for him. Uh, It's really common uh, that you die from this cancer. Um, So that's going on. Here at our church, we've had some changes this year, right? I think we've been asking ourselves what we've done poorly over the years and how we've hurt people and tried to repent of that. And that has been a fraught process. Um, People that I'm close to have harmed people and had to apologize, have had to ask questions about how we've built the church that were exclusionary or problematic um, from the perspective of how God wanted the church to be built. So this is all like being stirred up, right? Um, On the world level, I was looking through my notes, uh, uh from this past year and i realized I saw us note the the day that um the week that russia invaded ukraine where i was in the bible and the kind of reactions that i was having like there was a lot going on in the world that was i would say disturbing um this past year the pandemic uh a former president remaining in the headlines long after i would wish he wasn't um I was parenting three small children who get constipated and have sleep disturbances, and transition to a different school and all the complications of that. This is all going on. So my friend said, "Hey, would you read through the Bible with me in a year?" And I said, "That sounds like a shit ton of work." No. <laughs> in fact, I don't think I responded to the ask. It was like on text. You can do this with. No, I didn't even respond. And then I was over at this guy's house and we went a fire pit chat in third week of the new year, and he showed me how he was doing it. Um, he had an app for reading through the Bible. And every day it gave you like three chapters you were to read or seven. Um, And every day it asked the question, what did you hear from God today? Uh, What were the impressions? What what did God speak to you through the reading? And there was a cohort of 20 people who were responding to this daily. And I I looked at like, that seemed pretty easy to be on the app. And then also um, to do it in a group. People are like reflecting kind of like, uh, it was attractive. Sign me up. So I tried. Um, the app had video introductions to every book. Like, I had a study Bible when I was younger that was like that thick. And then at the start of every book, there was like eight paragraphs and like an outline. So boring. Um, Hard for me to get into, right? Um, This was the Bible Project apps or videos. And so they're like five minutes Corinne actually sent me one years ago about the human one or the son of man from Ezekiel, which is this title that Jesus takes on. That I, like, I'm 40-some years old. I didn't know it was a reference to this like long tradition, but you could like, bite-size out. This is cool. Um, so I spent a year doing it. Um, the rest of this, so the two, three parts, right? There's the context, which is all the stuff that was going on me, the ask, and then I joined the group. So the rest of this... That I have is basically just snippets and impressions of things that I learned or saw reactions that I had Um, like I said the the app asked every day for you to log something and so I did and so I now have like actually this is just uh, the first third 15 pages I was trying to download them from the app because you know how they control your data if you don't do something about it so I tried And as I'm reading them through, I kind of like look for themes that I would want to share with you from things that came to me. So what's going to follow here is less organized than I might like. I was looking at these notes this morning. I'm like, this is all telling and not showing. If you had like an English writer instructor tell you, they'll probably tell you, show people, don't tell them about it. Show them. And I wish I. So it's not quite as humorous as I might wish it would be, um, or as organized as I wish it would be. But this is just my impressions. The Bible is a lot more complicated of a book than the caricature that I carry in my head. Um, I'll tell you more about that in a bit. The Bible is shot throughout, from my, my impression, by an invitation to relate to a God who knows humanity very well and whose primary characteristic is an abiding, continual love for humans, even to the point where that God would take action um, self-sacrificial action to make that, that invitation of connection and love like really physical, really practical. Um, God is very concerned with the good of vulnerable humans. Um, time and again, uh, individuals, classes, or groups, God is acting. And it, it was one thing that was surprising to me was In Genesis, there's several stories of outsider groups, groups you would consider outsiders, God protecting and enabling them to have a better outcome. Um, And all the way through to Revelation, the sense that the, the primary folk that Revelation was written to, what they were experiencing, was direct persecution at the hands of an empire. And the way the prophecies came through there was a sense that the oppression would end, that justice would come, that God would restore rightness in all these relationships. Um, And so the conviction just grew in me through the Psalms. So many of the Psalms are about people who have been marginalized having justice given to them when they couldn't grasp it for themselves. Um, And then fourth, the, the humans... The people that I saw in the Bible the stories that I saw they face a lot of trauma there's a lot of nasty things recorded in the Bible Um, and the people there have a pretty wide variety of reactions to it Um, again that breadth was surprising to me I felt like the writers in the Bible were much more realistic about human nature and the range of human experience than I expected again I have been part of churches or connected to the people who talk about the Bible since I can remember. Um, and I think many of the stories that I remember from the Bible, I carried around like the Sunday school version or even like I read a lot of the Bible in college. I went to a, a Christian college that was Christian. Um, but there's a lot of adult content in the scriptures. I remember telling myself sto- my that um, when Solomon takes over for his father David, there's this, no, I'm sorry, when Rehoboam, takes over for his father Solomon. You get like Saul, crazy king. You get David, king after God's own heart, who also commits adultery, gets people murdered, kind of some difficult stuff. Solomon, who does a lot of good, but pretty quickly in Solomon's life, he gets caught up in other things. And his, his son, who takes over the kingdom after him, um, the people come to him and say, Solomon was hard on us, a lot of taxes. If, if you would just lighten the load of the, of the kingship on this whole people. We're going to be, be your followers for life. So he goes to his, king, his father's advisors and say, what do you think I should say to the people? And they say, people are right. It was hard to follow Solomon. Um, give him a little relief and you'll have this loyal connection to the, pe- to the 12 tribes, the northern kingdom, something, the whole thing. And then he goes to his buddies and he says, what do you think I should say? And they're like, you be—you got to be fierce with these people so they respect you. And so tell them, if my father governed you with whips, I'll govern you with scorpions. Um, and so he does. He follows the young people's advice. And specifically what he says is, my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. That's a pretty adult verse in my reading. And you can look at different translations about what that loins meant. But, you know, I just there were moments like that where I'm like, that wasn't in the version that I remember. You know, that's not how, and even to the point of like, there's more in here. There's more complexity and depth and nuance. Um, the, the Bible Project did an overview of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job all together. Three separate little videos. But the connection that the videos made and that I could then see in reading them is the, that all three of those books are attempting to ask the question, what does the good life consist of and how do I get there? Um, and that there's three different answers. That the Proverbs are about good behavior, maybe. And this is my memory from nine months ago. That Job is like, it's all kind of crazy, but faithfulness is important. And Ecclesiastes is more like, it's all a vapor and a mist and you're not going to figure it out. And... And I think after reading them in succession and in the context of these overviews, I was able to see, I was able to give to respect perhaps to the folk who assembled it and get the sense that maybe the people who pulled it together, you know, coming, coming from where I came from and what my background was, I kind of expected that the Bible should be able to be sewn together into one tapestry and story that tells something consistent. And I think that's true, but I think what was a revelation to me was that that those three books might have different answers to the same question, and the person assembling, the people who assembled them into one Bible, might have been okay that they came to three different answers and three different approaches, and even thought it was necessary, that you didn't have to resolve a tension between the different ways they answer that same question. What does it mean to live the good life? And so, this is starting to accrue to me a richness in the Bible that demands more respect than just thinking it can be simplified to a three-bullet sermon or um, a simple answer. Uh, I found a lot of humor in some of the drama there and the relationship, especially in Exodus. I I remember telling Rosie, and we've kind of come back to this, there's a story, and I'm not going to get the details right because I didn't relook it up for today, but there's a story where the Israelites are traveling after they left um, uh, Egypt together, And they're going to spend a long time in the wilderness before they get to the new place they're going to live. And God is feeding them with, like, bread from the sky, right? Manna, we've heard about this. And they're kind of annoyed because a lot of them think that the manna's boring. Like, we remember eating better, like, than this in Egypt. We want meat. And so um, there's some sort of prayer or interaction between Moses and the people and God. And basically, God says, you want meat? I'll give you meat, and he fills, I'm going to make up the dimensions here, but he fills them in like a square mile, three or four feet deep with pigeons. Like, he blows a wind up from the sea, and all these pigeons just show up. And there's more meat than they could eat. I think I even did the math. Like, more meat than this number of people could eat in a year. You want meat? I'll give you meat, you know? And to me, that seemed like a little bit of a sense of humor on God's behalf. Maybe a little resentment, too. Um... There's a part of the story where Moses is just getting so frustrated and he basically says to God, if you need me to be a wet nurse to these people, just kill me. I'd rather not. Like, I found that funny. Um, I also found that kind of like honesty and um, directness freeing because I think over and over and over again, even in the heroes of the story, the supposed heroes, you see this like boldness to just be rude to God. To, to, to air out all of the uncomfortable stuff. Um, the Psalms in particular bring such a range of emotions um, to people's interactions with God that were kind of re-encouraging me that the range of emotions I feel don't have to be hidden or repressed or, or, or handled in some other way besides interacting with them honestly with God. Many of the biblical heroes are frail um are vulnerable um there's a story I think it's Elijah um there's it Elisha who shows up in the house of a woman who's not able to have children and she does some sort of service for him and he makes this prediction that in a year's time she will have a child the Shumanite woman if I've got the citation right and um sure enough she has a kid um the story goes on, moves around the country, whatever. Um, the child dies. And the Bible doesn't record her doing anything, speaking any words. She just gets up and she like, travels halfway across the country and just lays at Elisha's feet. What are you doing here? What do you? Mean? I didn't ask for a kid. Why would you give that to me? And he comes back with her and lays on the child and the child comes back to life. It's not a story we hear preached on very much. But there's a sense of vulnerability and a sense of what is going on here that was encouraging me to bring those resentful, complicated, like I just, I admire that woman. I admire that the scripture writers thought it would be important to contain the story in here. I can't imagine the heartache um, of that process. And what I admire is this boldness to like assert yourself. I didn't ask for this and you brought this heartache on me. What gives? And so again and again, I felt like reading the Bible was this opportunity to bring the fullness of my experience into prayer and into a community of faith that tries to listen to how God is acting today. Um, Essentially, especially early on, I felt like this... The scripture is an invitation, the way it's written, what's happening in scripture is an invitation that any of us, especially of those of us who are part of a community of faith, are permitted and welcomed to make the Bible story our story, that we can find our experiences, our frustrations, our hopes in the text, in, in the narratives, in the poetry of the Bible that we're welcomed, and I think especially in a time when, um, yeah, I remember one time I wrote it, I think it's probably in here somewhere, like, this text, though it has a lot of mm, hard things, negative things, disgusting things in it, it enables a connection that I feel like is more likely to yield peace for me than NPR, Fox News, or New York Times, which are some of my other um, reading outlets. Um, I think when, when we as readers 2,000 years or longer away from the assembly of the text are trying to get through to it, and I, I went to a Christian college I mentioned, and... Um, I took a class called Bible Interpretation and learned about all of the dimensions or challenges for modern readers in accessing what the original meaning might have been to the original hearers. Um, And it led to a point where I was kind of... uh, very cynical about a modern person's ability to engage with the Bible in a way that would be meaningful, that you could access any kind of meaning. It seems to me like it's important to have a sense of what the original meaning was to original hearers if you want to have any kind of tie to something that's true, not just your own like impressions or imaginations. And so it made it hard to think that I would engage with the scripture without a lot of study. And I think what was reassuring to me about this process this past year is that the moments of connection and just asking myself regularly, what am I hearing from this? What am I hearing from this? What am I hearing from this? Created a more of a relational connection that may not have been academically accurate, but that was reflecting the breadth of the story as opposed to the specific elements and helped me see those themes that are, that are more consistent. Um, And 20 years ago, I got engaged in college to a woman that I'm not currently married to. And um, as part of the process of responding to that engagement, one of my family friends um, said to me that if you take a penny and you hold it up in front of your eye, it can feel like the whole world. Um, There's more to that story, perhaps, that is for another time. But the connection here is so often the things that are coming into me, the stresses that I feel, I make them big. And again and again, as I went to the Psalms or to the Bible narratives, I, I felt like I was getting access to a perspective that was connected to thousands of years of wise people trying to listen to what God was doing in the world that could contextualize the conflict that I was seeing myself facing, that we were facing. Um one common theme in the Bible is that our human authorities and our human actions are not the final word for justice, are not the final word for um, the kingdom of love that God is trying to build in the world. Uh, especially when when we get into the the Greek scriptures, the Aramaic and the newer stuff um, over and over and again, there's this sense that the scriptures are written to people who are suffering. Almost all of the New Testament letters were written to people who were suffering serious persecution by their government. Um, and so the, the perspective, like that's not my story and sometimes it makes it harder to connect with, but it gave me a sense of the resilience of God's community and of the action that God has. So um, when I got to Revelation at the end of the, the story, it struck me one little line. Um, in Revelation 22, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. The sense that um, the Bible is an invitation. The scripture is an invitation to connecting to life. And that's where I'll leave us. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected, visit circleofhope.church. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at circleofhope.net. Net.